Midler, Einstein, and Mordecai Richler, Abielana, and their pal Wolf Blitzer. That guy might be once met on a cruise. These are a few of my favorite Jews. Hello, everybody. Welcome to season two, episode four of A Few of My Favorite Jews. This is the podcast where I bring people on to talk to me and uh, tell me about their favorite Jew. Also a podcast where I bring people on so I can have some social contact, make a new friend, hear a second voice in the day. Today's episode is very exciting. I have Sam Sferraza talking about Lisa Kudrow. You probably know her from the show Friends. That show was on for 10 years. Incidentally, when I was 10 years old, I shoved a piece of baby corn up my nose. Coincidence? I think not. The truth will come out soon. Um, I had so much fun chatting with Sam. Before we get into our conversation, I'm going to update you guys about me. I'd say the most novel thing about my life right now is that I went to a concert for the first time in years. A real concert. A concert where there were a lot of people there and we were inside and I had to wait in line and I got a little stamp on my wrist where I was marked as a chosen. A stamp that said to people the following day, I went out last night. I had fun. A stamp that had people thinking, is she 21? If she is, she looks bad. A stamp that had people thinking, I need to buy stamps. Amongst other things... People be shopping for stamps, amongst other things. Yeah, I just had the time of my life. I really did. I danced so hard that my knees hurt the next day. I stood in a line outside for a very short amount of time. It was perfect. I don't want to stand in a long line. But there was something, I guess, thrilling about waiting in line um, and going to a, a dance hall and getting searched, getting frisked. Being treated like an animal from the woman who works the door. Getting unsolicited advice about where I should keep my cash from the woman who checked my purse. I loved it. I missed it. The next day, I was just... I, I, I stayed up so late. I never stay up that late. I stayed, I, I stayed out. I stayed out until one in the morning, maybe later. It was around thereabouts. It was around one o'clock. And then I got home and I stayed up even later than one o'clock because I'm an introvert and I have trouble winding down after extroversion. Um, So I need to, you know, just sit by myself for a long time. And in spite of that, the following morning I woke up and I felt great. I mean, I felt terrible, but my my cup raneth over. You know, I just felt emotionally and uh, am I going to say it? Sure. Spiritually fulfilled, you know. I did feel physically terrible. It's so funny. When I was 21, you know, appropriate stamp age, I would, you know, I would stay out late and I would consume a lot of um, poison, if you will. I would do a lot of drugs and I would drink and I would dance to rock and roll. I'd parlay with the devil. I'd wear maroon nail polish. Okay, I was bad. And then the next morning, I would feel terrible, um, for sure. But I went out the other night, and I, st- I, did, I stayed up late, uh, but was, as per usual, 100% sober. Didn't consume a drop of anything. I had some Coke at Coca-Cola. I had, a, I had 
like three quarters of a glass of Coca-Cola. Okay, so that was, that was, you know, I had caffeine late. Um, But other than that, not a drop of anything else. Woke up the following morning, felt exactly like I did at 21 after a night of destroying my body um, just from staying up late and dancing hard with my knees. Uh, In spite of all that, it was just a wonderful night. Um, I got hit on. I haven't been hit on in so long. It's, I actually don't know if he was hitting on me. It was, he, it was really, he had some confusing tactics. I feel pretty confident I was being hit on because later in the night he did directly ask to, to make out. But prior, um, it was unclear. He kept offering me half a piece of gum. He offered me half a piece of gum six times. So three pieces of gum, ladies. I knew I was a two-piece of gum catch, but the other night I found out that I was worth three pieces of gum and a suspicious glass of water. When a man offers you three pieces of gum and a suspicious glass of water, you're doing something right, honey. When a guy offers you three pieces of gum and a suspicious glass of water, honey, you know you're talking to a guy that hasn't had to try very hard to hit on women. Um, I was going to do a third, but no one wants to hear that. Anyway, um, he kept changing strategies. He offered me gum. He offered me a suspicious glass of water. He, um, kept me posted on the surroundings. He was like, oh, careful, there's, um, a beer on the ground over there. At one point he asked me what my favorite bands were. Um, I think I listed three. I didn't, I... You know, sometimes I think, wow, Laura, what an intuition you have. I didn't ask him for his favorite bands because I had a feeling it would require a lot of me to hear the answer. Um, But this tenacious young man, uh, he did not wait for me to ask him his favorite bands. He said, want to know mine? And then he pulled out his phone and opened up his notes app and he handed me his phone. There were 28 bands on there. Not to brag, but I read the list in under two minutes. And then I had to hand in a book report later that evening. I got to be minus and my parents are really mad at me. Anyway, it was cute. It was fun. You know what? It was fun to be flirted with. Again, I'm ambivalent. I'm unclear actually on whether or not he was flirting, but it felt like flirting to me. Lord knows mommy needed that. Mommy being my mom, uh, she was mad at me about the book report, so she just uh, wanted to know I had some value to the world. Um, no, I'm being silly. I refer to myself as mommy sometimes. It's just been an isolating few years, and I think a lot of us have felt a lot older than our ages for the past couple years, because um, a lot of the things that define youth were removed from our lives, and so I, we all started to really convince ourselves they were gone forever. And I gotta say, Going to a club and getting stamped and getting hit on um, made me feel really (laughs) young. I'm not old, but it made me feel young. What can I say? So that was a blast. Um, I also have been spending an inordinate amount of money on things that I can't afford. Uh, Just beauty products. Not even good ones. Just, Just a lot of them. Uh, And I had an experience that I have often at Shoppers Drug Mart where I buy something from the beauty bar or the, I don't know what it's called, the beauty desk, the beauty boutique, the beauty bus, the beauty van. I got in someone's van. Um, No, the beauty whatever uh, bar. And when you spend enough money, they give you a free gift. They give you a little free product, like three or four sometimes. It's great. I love it. Um, I mean, I love free stuff. But something happens often 
um, when they give me free stuff, which is like they make a diagnosis of my face because they choose what they give you for free. You don't ask for something. They look at you. They look at you. Then they walk away and then they come back and then they hand you something and they're like, um, this is actually for a disgusting whores with acne. I thought you might appreciate it. <laughs> um, they don't say that, but I hear that. Anyway, spending too much money, but I got uh, some really great uh, eyeshadow palettes lately. And speaking of eyeshadow palettes, my friends, I had a two-year, a couple days ago, it was my two-year anniversary from my recovery from addiction. It was the day I got sober, November 18th, two years later. I had some friends over. We had a blast. They bought me an eyeshadow palette. Okay, so that's my way of telling you uh, your girl owns three eyeshadow palettes and is two years sober. Let's get to the interview, all right? On this episode, I talked to Sam Sferraza. God, I'll feel awful if I'm not pronouncing that correctly, but I feel very confident in my pronunciation because I've heard his name pronounced many times. Um, but I have a tendency to do this where I decide how someone's name is pronounced. And then when I hear other people pronounce it, I filter it through that lens. Okay, I know this girl. I won't say her last name. Her first name is Jamie. I feel so confident that I'm correct about how to pronounce her last name, even though I've been told many times I'm incorrect. But I just think I'm right. Uh, so that's how I hear it pronounced. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, Sam. Although he's relatively new to stand up, um, not even that new, but like new enough that he is so far surpassed uh, where I or many other people were at by the time we were where he is now. Um, he's already open for Elvira Kurt. He's performed at festivals, including JFL 42. He's been featured on one of my favorite podcasts, which is uh, Les Culturistas. Uh, he hosts and produces a monthly comedy show called Working Women at the Gladstone Hotel. I've done it. It's a great show. He's also a film producer and just all around an incredible, talented, hilarious person. Here is Sam Sferraza. I, uh, my name is Sam. I do identify as LGBT, uh, RW. Uh, the RW does stand for Resentful Witch. <laughs> yeah, you can catch us in the Pride Parade just clutching our gems, <laughs> shuffling behind the executive gaze. <laughs> we have amethyst for our aura and rose quartz for our nail beds. <laughs> so I am, uh, vegan, I'm gay, I'm in an open relationship. I'm exhausted. <laughs> it, it is exhausting telling people what to do all the time. <laughs> um, and it goes without saying, I do have some podcast recommendations. <laughs> Somebody recently was like, do you listen to podcasts? I was like, I haven't heard silence in five years. <laughs> yes, I do. Sam just made a really funny joke about being a trucker. You had well, to be I'm, there. <laughs> well, because I'm addicted to, I used to vape and I'm addicted to nicotine gum. And I said, what am I? Am I a, a trucker performing for their new family? <laughs> I can't believe you gave me the opportunity to retell a joke that is humiliating. Are you kidding but... me? That's all I want from people. Oh, I forgot. I'm not mm. wearing a bra. That's okay. Let's do this. Um, all I want from people is to uh, if someone didn't hear a joke i want the opportunity to take it again let's retake yeah. and yeah, everybody they, they listen <laughs> they step into the conversation like with like eight people they're like everyone no quiet this is important rolling <laughs> it's just i'm fucking insane 
I'm just it's like that episode insane. of 30 Rock where Tracy's like, no, I wanted to be there for the joke. So he gets everyone to recreate the Oh, yeah. The perfect Smooth day. Booth Ferguson, that bit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so fucking funny, man. <laughs> I'm that insane, I guess. Like, I'm that level of ego. Um, even though I've not achieved, like, anything that Tracy's achieved on the show. I'm like, let's retake. <laughs> Wait, isn't that manifesting <laughs> it's like no that's delusion are you a manifester <laughs> like do you do you legitimately believe in like harnessing the power of the universe Listen, or are you just more like some, pragmatic like, i have some like new moon fucking manifestations that i did but they stay so that's stay a yes so that is a I yes because you're harnessing guess. the power of the moon okay well okay it's like i can't that's the thing do can i harness the power of me myself and i absolutely not the no. moon i'm like mm-hmm yeah I like to think it's reciprocal and the moon is using me to achieve some kind of, you know, yeah, what's the moon, moon up to? journey. <laughs> I don't something with the sun and the gold. tides, I want to say. <laughs> I just like I learned everything I know from television programs. And um there's an episode of Parks and Rec where they're like talking about the moon and they're like, they say something about the tides. And 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 only then was I like, oh, the moon and the tides. Got it. They're connected or something. Laura, Laura, <laughs> Laura, you didn't know? You didn't know that the moon, like, controlled the tides? Not until I watched that episode of Parks and Rec, like, six years ago. I don't remember. Yeah. When I tell you, I remember nothing from school. I'm like, um... Okay, but that was Magic School Bus. You just weren't listening. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true, actually. That's so It true. is very... It is. It's actually very magical, though, to be like, no, it's it's gravitational pull is so strong that the water moves closer to it and it makes waves. Incredible, and and just really thinking about how close it is to us. When you think about the vastness of the universe, it's not that far away. Like it's really beautifully close. I know it's not close enough to touch, but like it must it must be doing something to me. Yeah, personally. Yeah, to- Two more things to add to this moon conversation. <laughs> one, also fascinating is that we can only ever see one side of it because the way it rotates perfectly syncs the way it, it orbits us, which is oh. like cuckoo crazy. What's on the other side, baby? Uh, uh, well, and NASA, they, they've had like physicists or whatever be like, the probability of that is like nil. So it's like truly dark side of the moon, wow. Secondly, uh, I once drove a comedian from Toronto to Markham for a gig. The entire time he told me uh, that he believed that the moon was actually a spaceship. Then he chose, then he told an incredibly homophobic joke. I had to drive him home. Okay. That's all. No, hold on. Yeah. Yeah. Reset. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. What? Okay. Both of those things are so crazy in such vastly different ways. Um, And yet they do kind of blend together in one person. I'm not at all surprised. (laughs) Yeah. That is why homophobic people don't know how the moon works. They just need to learn. And then we Oh my God. This bitch slayed Twitter today (laughs) with this one tweet. Homophobic people don't know how the moon works. Fucking slay menstrual. Thank you. Thank you for saying it. Finally. Ally. <laughs> Wait, the spaceship thing those like nonsense. The homophobia yeah, thing like, also nonsense. He was saying something. Well, first of all, he was saying it in a way where it's like, well, some people believe, and I'm like, well, I know what that means. It, <laughs> and oh it was something gosh. about how they did scans of the moon and it's actually hollow, and um that 
the craters like never reach. They all, the deepest they ever go is like the exact same across the board. Like they never go deeper than like a certain level or something. And he's like, yeah, cause underneath that hollow spaceship. <laughs> Being controlled by the gays. <laughs> you listen here. That's also like, what's yes. the end game here with like, <laughs> I feel like thinking that the moon is a spaceship is is how sometimes I think that um, a man has been like waiting in my closet all day for me and then all night. It's, you know, like to, to like jump me or do something okay, scary. But what's more probable? Absolutely your fear. My fear. But like, <laughs> when is he coming out? And what what's his end game in waiting this long? Because like, I've checked the closet. I've, I'm awake. Like, this would be a perfect time to strike. Same with the moon. At a certain point, you make your move or you're not there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So true. So true. Okay, listen. <laughs> Let's talk Lisa Kudrow. <gasps> I know, right? It's a good choice. It's I'm proud a of myself. great choice. Did you mull it over a lot? I feel like you did. I mulled it over you a lot. Did you have a few options? I did. Okay. I did. I had initially my first spark thought was um, Sarah Silverman. Very good um, one too. Yeah. Because I do love her. Although, am I really going to mention this? Okay. I have yet to watch the Chappelle special. Okay. It doesn't sound great. Uh-huh. Sarah went on her podcast recently and was like defending him or just she like the did? concept of forgiveness kind of oh, like please. she kind of does her thing where she's like mm, like I'm like a because she's she's kind of that person that's like on the fence of things and like likes to view things from like high up instead of like I don't know taking a stance on like when you believe like I don't know just an idea <laughs> but <laughs> but um not to say that I have canceled Sarah and will never longer, but it did kind of make me go, oh, is there someone else I'm not thinking of? And then yeah. Lisa was like, oh, the star, the star in my sky. Absolutely. Yeah. Far less problematic. <laughs> I, quick note on, on Sarah Silverman. First of all, her t- she, she was talking about the concept of forgiveness. Like, we all know the concept of forgiveness. It's not that we're confused about what that is, you know? And I also, she's... I do, I do see her take a stance sometimes, um, often convenient stances. She'll never, ever, ever take a stance against a bro, like a, a comedy ho- homie. Like she well, loves she did, the boy she does comedy with. She did like, she did do a performance with Louie like a couple years ago. I remember when everyone was like, whoa, he's back out of nowhere after doing zero work. Um, <laughs> you know. It is what it is. It We're is not what here it to is. talk about We're not here Sarah, to talk but... about her. Thank you. You'll, you'll keep me on track. Okay. So why did you pick Lisa? Has she been a longtime fave? Listen, first of all, I have to say, I have always wanted to be Jewish for many years now, to be honest. And it's a huge honor to be here. So thank you. You're so I, awesome. I... The first time I realized Lisa Kudrow was Jewish, and I do feel like I am kind of like spotlighting her Jewishness here for people because people don't know that, which Mm -hmm. is kind of great. Kind of brave. Kind of actually brave. (laughs) Um, Doing this, when you asked me to do this, like when I thought of her, I remembered that, um, was it Adam, was it Adam Sandler? Am I thinking of that? Someone did, someone who, who had the movie Eight Crazy Nights? Who Adam Sandler. Yeah. Adam Sandler. Um, he did a musical performance for some award show of a crazy song from that movie that lists all, all celebrity the Jews. Yeah. Jews. Yeah. And one of them is Lisa Kudrow, and oh, they cut her it? in the audience. Okay. 
Right, because she's one of those Jewish people where you're like, oh, Lisa, Phoebe, we yeah. like her. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's how I knew. And then, um, yeah, so I've always had that in the back of my mind. Um, and I arrived at Lisa because, I mean, first of all, okay, first, what I want to say is, like, I know it's kind of fallen out of popular favor now, and, like, I am totally understand that, but, like, Friends was funny. Thank you and we have so to talk much about that. for saying that. Was? It was funny. It was funny. Uh, Do it, not it make was. me watch it now, but it was it wa- comedy. It was. It is. It, wa- it was and is funny. It impacted a lot of people. I watched it religiously as a child, and a lot of the bits hold up. Now, a lot of them don't. A lot of the storylines don't. Um, it's deeply uh, not representative of New York. All that being said, it was funny, Hilarious. and Lisa yeah. Kudrow was so, so fucking good on it. I mean, scene stealer. She's the only one I related to. Everyone else, to me, practically were the, bringing it back to moons, the moons around her as a planet. I mean, Is that how you can she, see it? She's your yeah. star. I like that a lot. <sighs> okay, like, first of all, we have to talk about the outfits she wore. Like, I know that's not Lisa's doing, but, like, holy shit, icon. And, like, I feel like people could, like, dress their wardrobe to that today and be, like, perfectly on trend. Oh, 100%. Okay, so firstly, she actually, at the table read, um, wore, like, a Phoebe hippie, like, boho no way. white shirt. Wow just to like set the the scene, set the vibe of what Phoebe would be. Um, So she understood Phoebe's aesthetic right from the the get-go. And also you're totally right, especially some of her earlier season stuff. Uh, Actually, she kind of evolved, her look evolved throughout the show. But some of the early season stuff is like really beautiful. Like really, yeah, pretty. because it was like the the early '90s of like when like it was like a lot of browns and neutrals and like mulled wine kind of colors. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and an oxblood, if you will. Billowy. Um Yeah, yeah. And then we got into like the early odds, which was like the I think of like the orange fur coat, like yes, purple scrunchie, like space bun things. I wasn't a huge fan. What is that? Is that what the space bun is? You know, the bun that was like, it's like a tight bun. And then there's like a weird spiky waterfall that shoots out. LOL. It's not, but like, yes, thank you. That was actually so prevalent in my like brain as a child. It was whatever that was. It wasn't good. It was for one bit. A space bun is like a sailor moon. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cute. The, The shooting star bun is a little chopstick. Not a favorite. Yeah. I didn't mm-hmm. love that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so okay, so Phoebe was was your beloved on that show. She's the she's the best. She's like she has like the best backstory. She was like homeless and so she'll always have these like harken back to that. Anyway, I just she was the best character on the show. Everyone else like it's like kind of boring. Like I'm a Virgo moon, so I'm like, oh Monica, like I could kind of relate to, but like totally a Phoebe fan. So that's where I fell in love with her. And then I don't know, just from there it's like I mean, the comeback, hello. Are you a comeback fan? Of course. Why else would I? I mean, that's why. Now that's we're why, getting yeah. to it. That's why I chose her. I mean, okay. the the comeback, you talk to a lot of comedians on this podcast, right? Yes, almost exclusively. Okay, great. It's, I almost like don't want to even talk about it because I feel like it is talked about so much in comedy communities. No, please, like please comedians, do. Please a comedian's do. comedy, right? It's like what they'll say. But, I haven't um, seen it. So you can talk about it a lot and inform me about it. 
I know it's, it's beloved, um, and it's I've heard it's very funny, but I've actually never seen it. It's the perfect show. Mm-hmm. It's um, what I've noticed from like I looked into like a bit of Lisa's career, and I've noticed a theme of her really loving to go meta for any, mm-hmm. especially like projects that she's like involved in. Oh. So what's meta about this is that like, it's about a sitcom star trying to make her come back on another sitcom, right. but you're viewing it through the eyes or the camera of a reality TV crew that's making a reality TV show oh. about her trying to get on the sitcom. So it's like okay. all these layers, right? The layers I being like, that. Lisa is like a, a previous sitcom star who's right. like, you know, I think all of the Friends stars kind of had that five-year period or so where they yeah. were like, eh, what do we do now? What do we do? Or actively took time away because they were just exhausted. But They're yes. making a million dollars an episode, season <laughs> nine and ten. Like, hello, take a fucking chill pill. You know, why not? Um, yes, fucking, take one you imagine nap. buying a home every time you did an episode? Like... A million dollars per episode. And it's funny because when I, I, in my head as a child, I remember that. And I thought it was for all 10 years when I was a kid. And then I got older Same. and I realized, okay, it's it's only two seasons was how I thought of it. And then I was like, that's like 90 million episodes still. That's still so much fucking money plus syndication. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. And, and there's some are. incredible like in-depth interviews with Lisa on YouTube that I have fallen down into. And one of them, she says like, they were all pretty clear about from the beginning, they went into negotiations like together and they were like, we have to get paid the same, mm-hmm. which was like yeah, pretty yeah, yeah. cool actually. Well, yeah, it's brilliant because she she said it, but they've all said it. Like one of them was replaceable. Like one of the six of them could be replaced, but all six of them couldn't be replaced. So if they all went in to negotiate for the same amount of money, they were likely going to get it. I also think it's a disgusting amount of money. However, um, at that time, network television made disgusting amounts of money. I would like for it to go to like uh, the artists, actors, people behind the scenes. I'd like them to make the money, you know? Yeah, you have to remember there was no other piece of media like taking the pie. Like people were either like reading a book or watching fucking TV. So that's why. Like... That's so true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was yeah. a good time. That was a good time to be a sitcom star. And then uh-huh. it just ended. <laughs> I know. And then here we are on a podcast. New media, baby. And new media, <laughs> baby. I wonder what's next. I'm so scared. I'm not ready. Uh, whatever it is, it'll launch us straight to the sun. Um, <laughs> metaphorically speaking. <laughs> um, blindside us. The 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 baby, the iPad babies will have a full handle on it before we even know what it's called. Um, but what did I want to say? So um, yeah, the comeback it was meta for those reasons because she was like a sitcom star making a show about a sitcom star trying to yeah. come back on a sitcom, but mm-hmm. it was through the eyes of a reality TV show that was on the TV show. Um, and it's just like this comedy of like, I guess, mannerisms that um, that I think Lisa's so good. She's just a great actor. That's why I like her. And if you need like a reminder of like, that like truth is comedy and comedy is truth, blah, blah, blah. I think she's a great reminder of that because she has like such compassion for like the people that she plays. Like she's so sunken yeah. into her roles yeah. that um, 
the things like the her delivery it's like not really about the words as much as what she's like doing with them or like the spaces between the words am i really saying this yeah i fucking am it's Continue. so pretentious it's we're already like, this far no i know but uh, it's just amazing and then uh, i also uh, just to go back i wanted to talk also briefly this is something did you were you watching friends on the dvds was that a part of your for the listeners sam is miming Oh, a DVD. Okay. It looked like you were reading a book. A d- and I was like, a DVD huh. book. No, it's a DVD book. It's a DVD book. Um, I was, come... yes. Yes. Okay. It, yes. In so, the big, in the big, and every season had a different like shade, like color. Oh God. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So that is where my love for Lisa really started was watching friends on those with my, with my neighbor, Caitlin Easby. Girl, where are you? I think you live in Calgary. Caitlin, if you're there, <laughs> please let us know you're still well. But yeah, Lisa's just like a good, she's, an incredible actress and she keeps she keeps like showing that and even now I think I think now more than ever oh agree um you know with her more recent roles it's it's funny so two things came up in my mind one is that you're talking about like it's not so much about the word she's saying but the space between which like it's so funny I have all these uh objectively pretentious opinions that I when I, if someone else said them I'd be like but when I say them, I'm like, just give me the space to to do this. Um, that is, you've described like half of my personality <laughs> traits. Yeah, you know? I'm like gross, and then I'm like, oh, that's me. I'm like, but it's I me, it's and gross. they know. Um, but she was talking about, I think, on RuPaul's podcast. I listened to like of all her podcast appearances recently. Oh my god. Really I have good. to listen to that one. They're really good. Well, and the originator, hello, hello, hello from Ru- RuPaul's Drag Race, if you're a fan. Listen yes, while Ru and Michelle are like obsessed with the comeback. So it was very fun to watch them uh, yeah. sort of delve yeah. into okay, that. Okay, what did she say? I'm dying to know. But she was talking about how um, she, so she did a few episodes of Scandal. And, okay, wait, it's too sunny. Let me just. Nips or sun? Nips or sun? Middle. Oh, God, don't make me choose. Um, okay. Can I say Sophie's choice on this podcast? (laughs) Oh, 100%. You're talking about my left or right tit, I assume. (laughs) Yeah. Sophie Um, and choice. Sophie and choice. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, She was talking about how uh, she did a few episodes of Scandal. It was her first one hour drama she's ever done. And she was saying how, although she has like utmost respect for the Aaron Sorkins of the world, um, she really, when, when scripts have to be letter perfect, she really can't do it. Like she, she feels like if it's letter perfect, she can't really, it's not hers. It doesn't belong to her. Like she can't. That makes so much sense. Yeah. Doesn't it? Doesn't it? And then she's like, I, she, and she, it's funny because she, I, from my understanding, she seems to hold herself to an extremely high standard, but she, when she was talking about it, she was like, and you know, like, that's just my, she was like, if I were more professional or more proficient, I could do it. It's like, girl, you're so professional. And so oh, why she always talks that way when she is easily the smartest person in the room at like any given time. Like she went to Vassar, bitch. She like oh. has a degree in biology. She was going to be like a headache specialist. Okay, and then she just this is a perfect continue. But yeah, I want to talk about her her childhood. Well, yeah, and then I think she just like popped into a. I think I think it was Upright Citizens Brigade, maybe. I think it was or, Groundlings. Groundlings, that's yeah. the one I always forget. She just popped in and she did like a character that was like a professor that she had seen so many times before. And she just said like, I was just doing like an impression of what I saw. 
And it's like, yeah, because like so much of the time, if you just want to be funny, don't try and be funny. Try to Mm -hmm. actually do it. And then the comedy will be there. And you just have to be confident enough to like know that they're laughing with you and not at you, even though you're trying to be serious in a way to get to comedy. And she's someone who understands that like in her soul. That's the comedic actors of the world. I've used this as an example before, but um, Jessica Walters, who plays Lucille in Arrested Development, if you watch interviews of her, she's not a hilarious woman. She's a very serious woman. Very sweet, but very serious. Same with Lisa, right? Very serious. Yes, very serious, very earnest. But they just commit, they are playing the character. They're finding the motivation. They're finding the compassion. They're really just playing it as straight as they can. Um, and it's so funny because it's so real. So mm-hmm. true. Um, yeah. Okay, wait, this is a, a good spot to get into like sort of her origin story. So yes, yes she was born to a doctor and he was this headache specialist. He like, mm-hmm. like he figured out that if you give people oxygen, like pure oxygen, it actually relieves headaches which was like revolutionary. He's like legit. And I am not someone who suffers from headaches, but like I know people who get regular headaches and I have like put myself in my shoes and I'd be like, oh yeah, I'd want to die. I can't think of anything like that really would affect your quality of life. It's so distracting. Like like I had a friend, I had a friend with Crohn's. She still does, but she had surgery recently and it would be like, just like every week, just a stomachache. Like, how do you live like that? That's anyway. a good point. It's a chronic thing, but it's sort of underplayed. People don't really take it very seriously because everyone gets them, putting that in quotes. But it's terrible. If you get, I get, I get chronic headaches and it fucking sucks. It's so uncomfortable. So Lisa Kudrow's father, like really improved people's quality of life. So she was supposed to, um, she interned under him. She, she like was going to go into medicine. She was also going to be a headache specialist. I saw on her like Wikipedia, she's like, she's like credited as like, I don't know, on like a, in a journal article with her dad, because she was like a researcher. So it's like, she has like academic accreditations too, which is funny. Those people, man. It's like, because you know, when you pursue something artistic, you're like, you're welcome, everybody. I don't know what to tell you. This is just my pure gift. And, yeah. you know, you're welcome. I have to do this because it's what I'm good at. People who like could have done something else and still chose an artistic pursuit. It is so impressive. It oh. is so impressive that she could have done something else, but she also happened to have this immense talent. I mean, the, like Ted Morris, comedian in Toronto, is a full-time veterinarian <laughs> yeah, so and doing Winnipeg Comedy Festival. Hello? And his attitude about being a vet couldn't be more chill. Like. I feel like if I had a medical degree of some kind and my fellow, con- I would, first of all, make it, make sure everyone knew. I feel like Ted's just so hilariously chill about it. And he is like, oh yeah, I guess I, I feel like if we can, comp- someone's if best we- friend. <laughs> I feel like if we compared like astrological, astrological charts with Ted and Lisa, there would be like some, <gasps> some lineup. Cause it's like, I you feel like that, that's any the, Ted's uh, chart at all. I wish we're not that close. Okay. I'm going to tell him to listen to this. It's a real gas up. This is going to be an ongoing segment, just like uncovering Ted's chart. And it'll be but, multi-episode arc. 
Okay, yes. And uh-huh. speaking of that, just because I won't have a chance to put this in really anywhere else, I've discovered Lisa's birthday a day before mine. Leo, are you Leo? Queen. Leo oh, Queen. you are a Leo. I wish mm-hmm. I guessed, but now I'm glad I know. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense to me. Everyone's um, glad to know a Leo. Everyone's glad to know any energy. fire sign. <laughs> an are you a Sag? Or an, Aries? an Aries? Yeah. Oh my God, love that. Okay. Um, okay, yeah. so she was Headache. going to go into medicine, and then her brother, her older brother, was very close friends with John Lovitz, um, who had just gotten on SNL. She she's an LA resident, like she grew up in LA. Um, Which and- okay, yeah, I I have a whole thing on this where I'm like, God damn, these people who would just happen to live at the center of entertainment. But it's do you continued. think it's a, like? What do you think? You think it's? I mean, it must be an advantage, but it might also really propel oh. people from the industry, right? I've known it to be an advantage like since I was a child because I would watch these Disney kids be like, yeah, we just walked to the audition one day and I was like in St. Catharines, like, cool. Did you want to be a Disney kid? (laughs) I wanted like any kind of attention, honestly. (laughs) I wanted to be a Disney, I wanted to be a child star. Like my my dream was to become a child star. Now that I'm an adult, I'm like, whatever, I don't care. I want to be, like I wanted to be a child star and then whatever happened after that, who cares, you know? Yeah. Um, but so she grew up in LA. So she knew famous-ish people. And John Lovitz got on SNL. And she was like, oh, this is this is an option. You know, I, I, I can pursue this. She always had like an, an inkling that she'd be good at acting. Um, but she never saw it as like a feasible career. And then she met John Lovitz. And he was like, you should go to the Gramlings. So she called them. And they were like, what's your background? When's the last time you performed? And she was like, oh, junior high. And they were like, oh, you can't come to like, I guess the repertoire or something, or you can't audition for like the actual group, but you can take these classes. So she took these classes and she went to the first class and she was like so embarrassed by everybody there. Have you heard this story? No. Okay. She was so embarrassed by, by all the performers. She's like, they were just really making a meal out of everything and doing everything like so big. And there was like an exercise where they had to just throw a ball. Like there's no ball, but it's, I think it's called space ball. And you're just, I guess I can't do, I can, I can't even really pretend I'm throwing a ball, but you sort of just try and like casually throw it and toss it around. And she's like, everybody just looks so embarrassing. And her teacher was like, you know, you just got to commit. You really just have to commit. And then she came back to the second class and she was like, I don't know if I can do this. And there was this guy there who they were doing this baseball exercise and she watched him and she was like, oh, he's just throwing a ball. He's just, this isn't, a, 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 he's not making a meal out of it. It's, it's, he's not pretending to throw a ball. He just is throwing a ball. And that's commitment. And that man, Conan O'Brien. Oh my God, no way. <laughs> it really was. <laughs> I know. There are so many like urban legends like that in comedy where it's like, and five and of man, the most famous people you've ever thought of were roommates at one point. And you're like, what? I know, it's yeah. crazy. It is so fucking crazy. And and what are, they're still friends. They're still really close friends all these totally. years I later. I like I knew that. Mm-hmm. Which is a perfect friendship. I wonder what Conan's chart is. I would love to see a movie where Conan's the husband, Lisa's the wife, something ensues. I just get a lot of time with them together. I would love first off. that. Or even like, a, I think a sibling pairing would be really interesting <gasps> between the two of them. Yeah. And Conan's gay. 
100%. that's what i want to do that's what i want and lisa gay for him wait <laughs> what um uh that makes so much sense though because she really is just like her style of acting is just doing and that's why it is. she adds all the like she'll do like a well like a well huh. it's not <laughs> Like, uh, like she'll do like these things just to kind of make it more like lived in. For you sure, know? it's she like the she... acting equivalent of like when a hairdresser like does the the thing where they like texturize. Yeah, what they cut. Uh, what, how do I say this for listeners? They cut vertically and yeah, of vertically instead of horizontally. That's what she does. Like, she just kind of she just kind of like you're like my no, you know my lines. hair is vertical. No, this is what are you doing? And then they drop and it's like, it just looks good. She says she always has. I actually just got a haircut today. Finally, I was gonna tell you it looks amazing. I love it. Um, she she says she always has dialogue in her head when she's acting, or like or like an inner voice, like all throughout the scene. She has a she's thinking what the character would be thinking. Okay, now that is insane. I know. I am so focused on what I am doing. It is just a vacuum up there. The few times I have acted. Have you done, what kind of acting have you done? Like literally nothing since starting stand-up except like musical theater in high school. Okay. But like, this is why I have such reverence for someone like Lisa, because I have done, I've auditioned for like two, maybe three things since starting comedy and the amount it terrifies me, I was not prepared for. Because I was like, I go in front of strangers and tell them embarrassing things. Like, this is going to be a breeze. And then I went in there and I just left my brain in the other room. I became 10 years younger, mm. just completely immature. I had I was asked to do space work at one point. I was not fucking ready for anything. I had to like hold a mug, put it down, stand up, remember the lines. Like I was like, this is not happening. And I thought because I'm a comedian who performs in front of people, it was gonna be no big deal. Yeah. Um that sounds so stupid because like people literally win huge amount of awards, but I was like, whatever, I don't care about these agents. I work in entertainment. No. No, I it was all off the table. I couldn't relate more. I couldn't relate more. I was so, so cocky going into auditioning when I first got an agent because I've been doing stand-up for, I don't know, maybe three years at that point. And I was, and also like you'd see, I would see actors doing interviews, talking about their fucking process. And I was like, go grow up, like, give me a break. They were like, and I, I remember there was, I forget who it was. Some actress was like, and you know, you get into the costuming and, and you really, finally, when you're in the costuming, you can really feel it. And I remember it made me so angry. I was like, you're just playing pretend this is stupid. And then the first time I got in the room, I felt sick. I felt sick. I couldn't, my mind went blank. It's because- so much to think about. It's, you really realize how much of comedy is stand up, especially it's sort of winging it. I mean, you know, your jokes, but like, it's hard to make a giant mistake because it's all up to you. You own, you dominate that space. It's all yours. But acting is so like, it's collaborative in the room. It's also collaborative because you're doing someone else's work that they've previously like written. It's just a lot more to fucking think about and deal with. And, and it's harder. It's harder than it looks. Yeah. I think we take for granted how like relaxed the spaces are that we perform stand up. Like 
people had a drink. They're like mm-hmm. there to have fun and like whatever, you know? And then I got into that audition room and I was like, oh my God, I'm just like performing for like a, a meeting. It's just like eight people. First of all, I'm like, why is there so many people uh, in here? There's no way you all need to be here for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I know it's and a then, very anyway. different space. It's not like a like you would never go on a first date to like watch somebody audition for like a commercial. Whereas actually I would love that. I think that's the yeah, so hilarious first date. <laughs> to be to be like they go on an audition, they go on an audition, <laughs> they do it, and then I stand up as one of the agents and I'm like, I'm the person you're going on a date with later. And they're like, What? I'm like, surprise. <laughs> I pictured like the one of the one of the eight people that has to watch you like brings a date to the event. You oh, know? also stunning. Yeah, great. Stunning. Great. Crazy. <laughs> Would be such a crazy thing to do. Okay, so she meets John Lovitz, goes to the Grandlings, meets Conan O'Brien. Um, she, in 1990, uh, some SNL producer comes to watch her, Robin Schiff, I think, and Julia Sweeney. Julia Sweeney, for sure, as, as yeah, potential and, SNL uh, casting. And they take and they take Julia instead. They take of Julia Phoebe. instead of Phoebe. So can you tell me, since you have the since you have the notes, notes. there, yeah. like what is the elapsed time from her go- joining the Groundlings class to her auditioning for SNL? Yeah. Okay. Am I gonna be crushed utterly when you tell me it's like two years? There's a lot riding on this personally, my personal confidence. Also, while we're, I'll keep talking while you look that up. Also, when we're speaking about 29, I, someone told me, hey, you can look up the time for your exact Saturn return. If you guys don't know what Saturn return is, it's basically when fucking shit hits the fan. It's like Mm -hmm. the second puberty. It's like when there's like a huge shift in your point of view in life because Saturn has gone through all the signs and now is at the time where it was when you were born. So it's kind of like a rebirth. Yes. I looked it up. It is coming this January, baby. And I can feel it. I mean, I mean, I'm already on the sabbatical. Things are fucking shaking up. People. Have you been feeling it though coming? Oh yeah. I'm on this sabbatical. I'm like, I have to like probably get a, a, a service job or something like starting in the new year, which um, I've had the immense privilege of not having to do, but I have to get a job now, but it feels freeing to finally have a job where I'm not putting all of my self-worth into it. Uh, Muzzle top. That's great. Yeah. Anyway. That's great. I think 29 is, it's like, isn't 29 everyone's Saturn's return? Or like around, around 20, thereabouts. 28, 29, yeah. 30. It can sometimes be 28. So I just wanted to look it up and I was like, okay. I feel like it's now. And I was, um, con- my suspicions were confirmed. When I tell you, and then I'll tell you the, the year, because like, I just want to delay it as much as possible. Um, when I tell you that my 28, 29 were such chaotic years for me chaotic like things were not good I was and 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 they weren't all bad but like I felt like I was in utter chaos and then I turned 30 and during the pandemic and it's not like everything got better but all of a sudden I just felt a little bit more at ease or like something something just clicked and I've kind of been smooth sailing emotionally not perfectly but relatively well since 30 so like I don't know Look forward and to that. folks, she's zooming in on a pure sunlit white room <laughs> in a white top. It I'm is... <laughs> literally levitating. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so suck okay. it to me. What's what's the last? She joined time? the Groundlings in '89. Okay. And she then auditioned the next year for SNL. In '90, she auditioned. Uh, yeah, yeah. 
in 90, but she didn't, but, but to be clear, she didn't get no, in. No, but she was in contention. That's still, I'm but you know what? half. But she's in LA, right? She's in LA. So like our version of that, there's some, there's like a Canadian version. Which the Skechersons. Or, and then, or even like a stand-up version too, right? Like you're doing stand-up and then like you showcase for the first time for JFL. I feel like people do that two years in, three years in. You know, she happens to be like, I think she also, she got lucky too. Oh, she knew John Lovitz. She knew John Lovitz, you know? And she's a talent. I mean, that she is somebody who actually is like, oh, you're excelling because you're exceptionally talented, which is why she we're is. talking about her. So she we is. shouldn't be mad. Yeah. And actually, you know what? And like last thing, just to like fully soothe, soothe my own soul. Um, she was not auditioning. Like she went and auditioned. They came to watch this improv troupe. So it was like, I think they were probably going there to scout a few people. She just happened to be there. Okay, so that's that's the last thing about that. Wish we She's, lived in the States, people. Oh my God. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I'll manifest that for both of us. Um, okay, so so that's her that's the timeline. But then, so she unsuccessful auditions in 1990. But then in 1992, so pretty soon after, she lands the role of Ursula on Mad About You. Okay, yeah. And this comes back to well, uh, now I'm jumping timelines. Maybe I shouldn't. Okay. No, 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 Ursula's, please, please. Well, what I want to say is I kind of made that mention that there's a theme in her life that she loves to get meta. And I think because she just likes the like concept of acting. Mm -hmm. Like she thinks it's like titillating or something. That's why, mm -hmm. what I think. Mm -hmm. Because Ursula becomes a, a character that appears on Friends and mm -hmm. is Phoebe's like evil twin sister in like this like kind of stupid but hilarious way. And it's just like another example of like, I feel like Lisa being like, oh, let's like do the show within the show. Like she loves that. Yeah, meta yeah, 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 thing. yeah. And yeah. she played twins so well. Those two women, they felt similar. Like you could tell, I mean, they are the same person, but they oh, are acting, yeah. different. They're different. They felt very different. I didn't have to know. Uh, she didn't have to be dressed in that all black for me to know. Like that's Ursula now. She, she has a different... You're like so way of right. carrying herself and speaking and an attitude, the vibe um, is so different when she pops on stage. That's like hard to do, you know? I mean, she's no Lindsay Lohan, but she, she did a pretty good job. <laughs> did you watch Mad About You? I never did. I never did, no. I, I think it's good. I mean, it did very well. It seems it seems good. And it got yeah. her her starting role, I guess. It got her starting role. So that so those, those next two years are pretty big for her. So, or like next three years, I guess. So 92... She gets on Mad About You. She wasn't actually supposed to be recurring, but Paul Reiser loved her. So she became a recurring character. I think she got like eight episodes or something like this. And then in 93, she does the Bob Newhart show. And then that same year, she gets cast as Roz. This is actually a really good story about trials and errors of- oh, I know, no, it's my, I was waiting for this. It's my favorite story with her. You tell yeah. it then. I'm like, do I know enough about it now? But I'll fill in details. I watched, I watched, great. I watched a video on YouTube and I don't know if you've seen it where she's kind of giving a speech, I think maybe to Vassar at a, some kind of commencement and she kind of mm -mm, told this story. Okay, real tearjerker if you're ever feeling like low about your career. Okay. Like that is one I revisit a lot, like actually earnestly. Okay. But it's her talking about this experience. She gets cast as Roz on Frasier and everybody knows that Frasier's like the show to be on because yes. especially back in those days like I've heard from Sarah Silverman about this and like Whitney Cummings podcast like two shows would be running in 
Hollywood and like everyone would be auditioning for them because it's like you and all your comedian friends, like everybody's going for this show and it's like, who's going to clinch that big role. And beyond that, the character of Frasier, because it had been on Cheers, they, they had a built in following. They knew it was going to be at least a bit successful. Right. Okay. And I didn't even know that about Frasier or at least Mm -hmm. I had to be reminded, but so she got cast and it's like this, this huge moment for her. Like this is her big moment. Um, And she described going into rehearsals and filming and not feeling the chemistry with everyone else. And that terrifying like realization of of like, this is slipping away from me and we're not clicking. Mm -hmm. Um, And she was let go and replaced. And then everyone in her circle and her, agent and even like some of her her, like her close friends were like you lost the role of a lifetime like they they were just like they had to be honest with her like they were like you really fucked it up and she was like crushed like it's like these 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 opportunities especially at that time when like Hollywood was making like three tv shows a year Mm-hmm. You know, um, and especially Frasier, like that was the thing too. You're right. Everyone was like, it's Frasier. It's going to yeah. be huge. Yeah. And it was, and I mean, it was she, huge. Yeah. And she had it and it didn't work. They let her go. Um, and she had to deal with like this huge disappointment so early mm-hmm. in her career. And then, you know, I guess it sounds like corny or cliche. I think people should like really watch her say it in her own words, but out of nowhere, friends came along, like right after, like mm-hmm. a couple, uh, maybe a year or so after. I don't know. You probably know the real timeline, but like, isn't that so funny? Like, you, she thought she lost like the role of a lifetime, only to stumble onto like something even more successful. Arguably. Somehow, somehow, right? Like she. So yeah, it was ninety four that friends. She got friends. So quite literally a year later. Yeah, and like. I always, I, I, this is actually advice I'm pretty good at taking and it's advice I always try and give to people no matter how much they don't want it. Um, you can really only see your life through like a peephole, right? You can only see your future, like this tiny sliver of it and it's mostly guesses. And like, you just don't fucking know. You just don't know what what could come your way. Obviously in, in retrospect, landing friends was somehow an even bigger opportunity than Frasier, which, which would have been a huge opportunity. And only could have happened if she lost. And only could have happened if she lost it. But prior to her knowing that, that is the most crushing as an actress to lose that. And not only to lose um, a huge opportunity, but even just the emotional personal rejection of like, I don't know what about me, but I couldn't click. Like I couldn't click with this cast. Like the cast. Well, and that's what they, right. They reject, right. Exactly. Just like the human rejection. Like Frasier doesn't like working with me. Yes, precisely. I mean, Perry Gilpin, who who played Ross, was amazing. Like she was amazing, um, and it and thinking about that character, she actually did make no sense for it. She made no sense for it, and that's not an indictment of Lisa Kudrow. It's just reality, which is actually really comforting to think about. It's like sometimes you're just not right for something, and it's not about your talent. It's not about how much someone likes you. It's just it just doesn't make sense, you know? Yeah, but that's still so. That's that's still hard. Oh, it's still it's very hard. hard. It's still because very it's hard. like it's like there's something about who I am that isn't a fit for this opportunity, and that maybe is like 
I think we love, especially comedians, but I'm sure other people can relate to, we love to place blame on, you know, the timing wasn't right or mm-hmm. this other person swooped in or they have connections. My favorite thing too is like comedians coming up with excuses as to why they bombed and like blaming it oh on like God. atmospheric things. The ceilings are too high. The lights were oh. too bright. You know, we will come up with anything. anything. So for it to be a confirmed like, you, you, yeah. we tried it. We did try it. You were yes. here to do the work. You're very it's right. A no, it is that's personal. fucked up. It is yeah. about you. However, I think like I, uh, any um, artistic field, but particularly acting and and comedy, um, it is your job ultimately, and it's really hard to separate your your sense of self from your job. Obviously, this is trite to say. We all talk about it all the time, but it is yeah really um it is really damaging to a lot of us who don't do that. Um, and I do think like the lesson here is sort of her. Uh, her skill, her particular craft. So let's say somebody was like a, I don't know, graphic designer. It's like, oh, this isn't the vision we have for this. They'd be like, okay, next project. Cool. This isn't just, this isn't, or like an animator or somebody who, or a tattoo artist. That's a good one. They do a very specific style. And so they might not make sense for a particular person, but they make sense for something else. But because we have such a hard time, like extrapolating our sense of worth and self from our craft, craft or whatever mm. it's so hard to not take it extremely personally um but i think she being lisa kudrow has done an incredible job I, I think she's a very tough person from the way i hear her talk about also how other people including conan have spoken about her she now especially in her like you know twilight years seems to be very good at uh handling rejection and handling like the industry yeah, and I see now that she's able to kind of do this thing, which is sort of like the great hat trick of enter- the entertainment world, where it's like she can do more serious roles and stuff. And it's so believable. When yeah. before, when you saw her as Phoebe, like wearing that like orange jacket, like doing, being crazy, whatever, like setting up these like premises, like with the canned laughter, like, I don't know if we would have, maybe it's, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't know if we would have believed that, but like, I loved her in, um, God damn, what's the one, the Netflix one with the Canadian Feel good. comedian. Feel good. Feel good. I love, yeah. first of all, I love that show. May, yeah. May, May Martin. Um, I love, I mean, I love them. I love the show. And I loved Lisa Kudrow on that show. And actually, thinking about that show, I might take back what I said about her not being a fit for Roz. Because the truth is, she is incredibly versatile. And what we're used to is her playing like Phoebe, you know, like Michelle from Romeo Michelle's High School Reunion, which I absolutely adore. Really, yeah, some, we glazed over that somehow. Yeah. Oh, we're oh we're coming back. Um, <laughs> she plays these like very um, stupid, but in a very like sweet way, uh, zany, affable, easy to be around, fun, quirky characters. May's mother on the show is like this kind of puritanical like waspy uptight judgmental woman and she plays it with a plum <laughs> yeah yeah i would say i i'm gonna give a hot take here yeah like i'm not a Shit's creek fan i've never tried to watch it i've seen one episode Mm-mm. yeah that was it for me too Mm-mm. gotta be honest happy Mm-mm. for everyone don't come for us yeah, happy for Mazel everyone to you mazel tov i I tried to watch two episodes and I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's feeling like 
uh, not for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love to have seen like Lisa Kudrow in the. Actually, Catherine O'Hara is sort of like iconic. I, I don't know. She is. I don't know she if is. I can actually say that. She's really. There's just times where that character it goes like a little too camp and broad, like campy. She's the, yeah. She's the only character that's doing that in the whole show. Not everyone else has gotten the same assignment as her, which is why I feel like that show does so well when it's individual fucking character clips on Facebook and stuff, which I see so much of because like they don't make sense together. That is such an interesting take. Yeah. So anyway, I would have loved to see Lisa Kudrow do a role like that because I think she would make it a little more sunken in. A little grounded. Yeah. Yeah. This is a fun game. I love that. Like, who would you swap this celebrity in for? That would be mine. Okay, so Catherine for Lisa, and then we put mm-hmm. Catherine into Friends. Um, <laughs> Actually, I can see that. Worked. I had a tweet a while ago that was like, can CBC just fuck Shit's Creek already? Like, they're so fucking horny. Like, their dick is so wet. <laughs> oh, you mean Shits quite literally Creek. fuck Shit's Creek. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're just, like, watching them kind of, like, orbit each other, like, Will they, like, won't they, like, do just it, do Over it. the pants action via their marketing. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, just do it already, yeah. Yeah, you both consent, clearly. Um, <laughs> okay, so she doesn't get she doesn't get the part of Roz. Tragic. Okay, crushing, yes. Then she does get cast as Phoebe Buffay in 1994 on the uh, smash hit Woo! revolutionary show, Woo-woo! Friends. So Originally no titled one, something weird, like We Are Friends or something like that. Friends Like Us. Friends Like Us. So no knows. one told you life was going to be this way. <laughs> Your job's a joke. You're broke. Your love life, it's DOA. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Always stuck in second gear. <laughs> Honey, don't I know. <laughs> um, okay, so she gets cast in Friends and she gets cast as two characters, herself and her twin sister, Ursula. Ursula, um, yes. She's on the show for 10 years. Finds immense success throughout those 10 years. In seasons 9 and 10, she, Courtney, and Jennifer become the highest paid actresses of all time on television when they get a million dollars per episode. Yes. We love it. I mean, yeah. I mean, like, three white women, are we shocked? No. We can, like, look back on that for sure. But, like, it's, you know, while, yeah. we're, while we're praising Lisa, we're happy for Lisa. While we're praising Lisa, we're happy for Lisa. It is uh it is a revolution at the time for women's pay, and we're still stuck in nineteen nine or two thousand in terms of uh representation for not white people on television and uh pay for not white people on television. Well put. And do we know that the men on Friends were also making the same? Yeah, yeah. In uh in seasons nine and ten. Oh, but good question prior. Quick fact check. While the cast did receive several pay increases throughout the show, all six cast members were always paid the same amount as each other. She and it's I forget if it's actually Joey or Chandler, but definitely her. She was really supposed to sort of um she was part of the group, but she was not gonna have as big a role. She was really supposed to sort of like always be the C story. Um but she's and so I always damn love likeable. a C story. I love yeah. a good sea story. And then you, when the you realize- The story always gets too heavy and I get bored of it. And I'm like, cut away, cut away, something else. So it's, so tr- it's like um, it's like that Seinfeld line that's like, give people a chance to miss you. It's like, if you're the sea story, you don't even realize you've been on, like they were on screen for like three minutes. And uh, so I'm like excited when they come back, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and this was really the era of television where like the A story and the B or the C story, like 
didn't have to like have thematic I think now we we like them to like intersect in a way that's like really smart but Mm. like literally I feel like Friends was like Monica's going through like an existential crisis Phoebe is uh like wrestling a mannequin at Barney's or something like that you know what I mean and Monica's getting an abortion just like so so refreshing Uh, yeah so okay. different i know we i know exactly what you mean though a hundred percent well that was that was also like a 90s sitcom man i loved i loved 90s sitcoms for that reason i like i like light fair i'm fine with it a tapas sure a tapas okay so she got friends 10 years highest paid actress then what happened after that yeah because so she does films throughout her friends run which i still want to talk a little bit more about romeo michelle but she does opposite of sex in 98 analyze this in 99 happy endings in 2005 so that would have been just just after friends but she was probably shooting it during friends p.s i love you i did not know she was in but in 2007 she did that yeah she has these surprising things where she's just like sure um she did some animated stuff again during friends and then in 2005, she does the comeback. So really soon after, Friends ended in 2004. And she, I think there's like two iterations of the comeback. Yeah, it was, yeah. So it's it, yes. it's on HBO. Um, there was a nine year gap between season okay. one and two because it was so beloved season one that mm-hmm. like people were literally hassling HBO. Like oh. you cowards, give us a second season. And when I tell you it is the best comeback, literally LOL comeback written season, the best way to conclude a series, if you've, you've never watched it. Oh my God. Mm -mm. I'm so excited. It's on my, it's on my roster now. Yeah, it is. I mean, for innovating a style all its own check, but like, I really hate it when people are like, this comedy has heart. I'm like, okay, so that means it's bad. <laughs> um, but this, but the way it concludes all of the storylines, like the season finale of season two will make you cry. Okay. Absolutely. And it's also the funniest TV show like I've ever seen. So, so I think it's important to also say, for those that don't know, like it's, she, she produced it. She created it. She wrote it. It's not, it's not just that she starred, right? Like she and Mike, Michael Patrick King, made it together is that how you say his name that is yeah i think you're i think you're right and like i didn't know that the time elapsed from the comeback and friends was so close mm-hmm. and i think that really gives you an idea of like how um lisa has such like a a good understanding of like how she is perceived because yeah. i think she was like coming off of this huge tv show and people were like what now and she's like oh i actually have another idea that's like parodying the idea of coming back so when you were saying before it's meta, it's meta, I was like, yeah, okay, it's meta. But now I, I really I really see what you're seeing now, what you're saying now, in that when you also compare it to the five other friends, all of them just tried so hard to stick to their lane by just doing network comedy and doing comedy films after friends. Really straight ahead stuff. Everything you'd expect them to do, because that's where they thought they would thrive. She understood that she had this um very unique situation where she was on the biggest show of all time for 10 years as one character and she knew she'd have a hard time um breaking out of it and so she does this which is like a perfect way to turn that whole thing on its head she makes herself washed up before she's actually washed up 
yes and it's re- it's like self-referential and like understanding the like yourself enough to like make a bit of a joke of yourself yeah which of course I love but also you have to understand she's going from this huge sitcom canned laughter studio audience to like a handheld mockumentary mm-hmm. yeah where it's just like following around her around a kitchen like these are real creative risks like People probably thought she was insane. And that's why it only got one season because it's weird to watch. Yeah. But it is. um, And I've watched her talk about the comeback. Like it's everything about it that seems improvised about her performance and other people's performance was rehearsed. And it, when you watch it, it's all ums, uh, camera turns, camera turns back, whatever. Like all of that is rehearsed. um, And it's, it's it's nuts, really. Well, she's it's funny because when Rue and Michelle were like praising her for it, of course she just won't take the compliment, and she's like, "Well, Michael Patrick mm. King is like an incredible director, and it's and they keep True. trying to get her to take some credit, and she doesn't really." But she was saying how um, in that show you never knew exactly when the camera was on you, so like they rehearsed it and she had her lines and everything, but you had to always be on the entire time because you weren't exactly sure when you were on camera, she was saying, because of the that way he sense. shot it and directed it, it was supposed to feel so natural. And it's so hard to make a show feel legitimately natural, you know? And I find that so hard that she even did that because she isn't like a stage actress. I feel like a stage person yeah. would be good at that. Yeah. Right? But... um she works yeah. hard. She works hard. She's she's innately talented, but she's a hard worker. And like, yeah, takes risks for sure. And Sarah Silverman's uh, sister in the comeback as well. Another Laura dimension. Yeah, Laura dimension. Mm. <laughs> um, I like that. dimension. New segment. New segment. <laughs> ah, we just mentioned Jews. <laughs> yeah. Um, You're like that's already the podcast yeah i'm like that is um, a good job <laughs> uh i love i love laura silverman uh i i also sorry my i have really bad ADD. i really want to know that she was she was the first friend to win an emmy that's important she was the first friend to win an emmy well i chose right you did of the six friends and the two jewish people on the cast you chose the better jew <laughs> I did. And the rest of them are kind of corny. Sorry. I mean, it seems like Matt LeBlanc really kind of had a successful run there. He kind of got his own spinoff. But I was like, have you seen episodes? Have you seen episodes, though? No, it's good. It's good. It's good. He's on it. Good for him. Good for him. Good for him. Okay, fine. Whatever. (laughs) It's British. It's British. That's why. I got another podcast episode of how like BBC is just like amazing. Okay. It is. I know. Um, kind of like the opposite. Like, I feel like in my brain, British people are the opposite of Jews. I, that's probably not right, but you know, something, something about I kind that. Of, I kind of feel that. I feel like British people are kind of opposite of Canadians in a weird way, even though we are oh. part of the Commonwealth. Um, maybe just in entertainment. Okay. And, but also now that we're talking about Jews and Catholics or what I didn't talk about Catholics, but whatever, let's say we did. Um, I find it really funny. So going so far back to her early childhood. So she grew up in like a very sort of liberal Jewish family. Her parents were very lenient hippies who talked about sex with her and like whatever. We're pretty chill. Um, And Conan O'Brien, by the way, they dated for like a hot minute, the two of them. Like a hot minute. I don't mind that. Okay. 
fine with it. But then they became friends um, from the show. So she went to, no, he came to her house for dinner in LA because he didn't like know anybody who had like parents or family in LA. So she went, he went to her house for dinner and her parents were like talking about sex and like giving them like, because what they were, I think they were talking about like ways to be safe, like have safe sex. Maybe they suspected they were going to have sex. And Conan was like extremely embarrassed. Um, and like turned Catholic, red. Right? he's Catholic, yeah. he's an Irish Catholic. Like this was unheard of in his family. And Lisa was saying, I call her Lisa. Um, I also call her Kudrow, whatever, whatever <laughs> flight of fancy I have was saying that she felt very um, different from her parents growing up. Like she is, she identified with the uh, sort of waspy puritanical Catholics. She would see, I guess those aren't wasps, but she would identify with sort of like very Christian, uh, well-behaved, rule-abiding people on television. She really didn't feel like she belonged with her family or her parents were a lot like her, which I find very funny. I kind of get that from her, just from her interviews. She's like somebody with just like really good posture. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like thinks about the words before they come out of her mouth. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I do identify a little bit with that. Uh, some people have said that, well, my partner always makes fun of me because he's like, you love rules. And I'm like, I just like things being fair and <laughs> orderly, you know? But I, I sort of like pick and choose when I think the rules are, should be followed. But, um, okay. so I do understand that, but yeah. that must've been weird for her. Yeah, it must've been. And it's also, um, I think I understand that. We, we all sort of like rebel against our parents in some mild way. Oh yeah, maybe that's a rebellion, yeah. Yeah, mild rebellion. But I grew up in that kind of house. I grew up in like a very lenient, uh, we talk about sex, blah, 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 Jewish liberal household. And um, I I mean, but the, and that's a big part of my identity, but, but to push against it, it just feels, it makes me think of her as so unique that she like really did her own thing. Um, and, and, it, and rebelled in this way that was not, um, like unsafe or misbehaving. Her rebellion was just like, oh yeah, I follow rules. I didn't have sex until much, much later. I wouldn't get in a car with a boy. <laughs> like she was just sort of well-behaved, um, yeah. which I think is really sweet and really cute. I think so too. It makes me, it makes me like feel a closeness to her even more. Yeah? Yeah, it really, it does. I think she's just somebody who just like wants to do a good job. And I'm yeah. like, well, you do, you do do a good job. So like, you're doing great. great. Cause that's all I want to do either. It's like, it's a good I job. Do, I just want to do good. Yeah. Good. That, it's funny. I think um, people would say like most people feel that way, but I don't think that's true. Like I don't feel that way. Um, but I like that. I like that quality in a person. You're like professional. You care. You want to do well. Yeah. And it really bugs me when people like, aren't that. And I'm like, it yeah. could, you could so easily just do, do what you should, you know? <laughs> It really bugs me when people put in like 75% of the effort yeah, and then like yeah. the 25%, they're just like, nah, I'll phone it in. And I'm like, you're so close to actually doing something cool. <laughs> if you only just like fucking anyway, it's did mostly you, with- Did you do well in school? Were you a good student? Yeah. 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 Yeah, I did. I was a square. So that's why I identify with like that point of view. Cause I was also like, oh, what else is there to do other than like everything I'm being asked of? And then that's really cute. Um, I'm probably still growing out of that, but 
Yeah. Um, okay. I mean, I don't think that that's something somebody needs to grow out of. It's a, it's a, a good skill to have in any industry. Well, anyway, now I feel like I'm less, I think everyone feels this way. I was like so busy trying to like be an adult as a kid. And then mm. now I feel like I don't have even like the slightest amount of focus that I did even when I had in high school. I don't know how it was. I was juggling so much then. Yeah. So that's why like when we, when like, yeah, I see like Lisa in interviews and stuff and like, she talks about that, like identifying as a more restrained person is because like, I was also that kid. Like I was like, my, my friend did like, would go drink a beer at lunch break in like grade eight. And I like cried. So I was like, your brain is turning to Swiss cheese because that's what we learned. Alcohol does to your brain in like health class. And now I think back and I'm like, honestly, could like one person just tell me like to take a chill pill? Oh my anyway. God. I, I was like that up until grade 10. And then I, I went a little wild, but I will tell you. Um, and that's why we love you. <laughs> we would have She's been winking, friends in folks. grade eight and grade nine. And then in grade 10, we would have had a huge falling out. Cause I went to go like drink a beer at like, or I would just like period. watch you do it. Like, okay. that, that well was, you yeah. sobbed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, by high school I was like, LOL, we're sharing a cooler in a basement. Got you, got you, got you. Yeah. I think there's like the the stereotype that people who uh, don't really rebel in in high school um, or university do it much later. I don't think that's true. I mean, sometimes I think um, learning how to be responsible and like work hard and try hard and do what you have to do is a skill. And the longer you practice it, the better you are at it. And if you start it late, you're not as good at it. And I've only in the past six years attempted to be a responsible person who like does what I'm supposed to do. And it's much harder if you never did it. That's my take. (laughs) I think you're doing just fine, Laura. Thanks. Um, Okay. (laughs) So again, this is, we're going back. I just want to talk about Romeo and Michelle before we keep on the linear timeline because it was part, it was okay. the same area era as friends and it's very important to me. Yes. I mean, okay. If I'm being honest, like I've seen Romeo and Michelle a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Am I one of those, the, it's a cult classic. Am mm-hmm. I part of that cult? I wouldn't say so. I don't Not even know why, yet, but, but it does, it does embody. I have a very pamphlet to show you. <laughs> okay. Yeah. 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 It's, it does embody everything I want in a film. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it is, I, I'm excited to hear what you have to tell. So when was the first time you saw it? Were you were you young? Like, was it when it came out? So get this. When I was in grade school, I had a friend, Nash, who turns out was also closeted. We found each other in grade school. It was like, oh, what is this connection we have? We were both gay. Mm-hmm. And I remember him like, uh, like violently trying to get me to rent Romeo and Michelle. He was like, please, it looks so good. They were doing the popped leg on the cover. Yeah. I mean, it's gay men, it's gay men bait. And sure. for some reason I was like, no, it just seemed like, I think cause it looked like sexual, like they looked like sexy on the front. Mm. And like, this is a very queer experience, but like heterosexual, like sexuality, like is like really threatening when you mm-hmm. like don't, when you're not really sure like what, I didn't even know that I wasn't sure, but I know that it just made me like uncomfortable. Like I wasn't like a sexual person yet. It makes a lot of sense. So like watching a TV show and then like suddenly they're like, and directors love to do this too, where it's like 
they're clinking a glass of wine, cut humping, like, and it's like, ah, and I still hate it even now. Like, early the and they yeah. do like gross, like fucking close up of like their hair, like in their mouth and sh- anyway. <laughs> so I was just like worried it was sexual. I Got think. you. Yeah. Watch it. And then I watched it sometime later in life, like okay. early twenties or something. Okay. It's definitely um, a film that I think you have to watch maybe like uh, watching it at the time it came out was so thrilling because it also aesthetically really represented the time, but it represented all the heightened versions of things at the time. So, you know, I was, I don't even know, I was like nine or something when I watched it and I, and, and they just look so, they look, first of all, they look gorgeous. Gorgeous. gorgeous lisa and maris maris ravina look so beautiful and they're dressed so excitingly in like like a barbie doll like, like a the barbie doll that come with a barbie doll yeah exactly and they're older and they're like roommates like the and they're having fun together and they're going to the clubs roommates when you're a kid like the concept of having a roommate you were the concept that, I was just like, of that's having it. a roommate and and the concept of, of having a friend roommate and at the time which i didn't realize a roommate maybe you could fool around with you know <laughs> something fun it was like and girly. sleepover forever yeah, <laughs> yeah. sleepover forever and when you're a kid and i was a kid you're like oh and and i was so awkward like physically i just like was not doing well and i was like but but in my head i saw myself like that i was like I know that's not what I look like and what I seem like and how my life is, but that's how I feel. Like, that is how I feel. That's what I hope I'm projecting. Oh, yes. No, (laughs) I completely identify with that. I was also, like, a chubby kid, and for some reason, I had this, like, weird feeling. I was like, I'm going to be hot one day. I know. Not to say being – sorry. I feel like I'm examining a lot of, like, my own internalized fat phobia, but, like, chubby is not – chubby is fine. Certainly. And also, I will just give you the – not the out, but, like – um. Also, the 90s were a time of severe body dysmorphia because of how indoctrinated we were with thin imagery and, like, thin being associated with beauty. Just wanted to put that in it. But I would also, uh, you know, watch media in which, like, somebody who did not look like me at all would come on screen and I'd be like, oh, there I am. Like, mm-hmm. I am, you know, a sea mm-hmm. witch, whatever. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> For sure. I was like, that's me. That's me one day. Could be tomorrow. I don't know what tomorrow's going to look. Tomorrow morning could just be like wild. I just grow like yes. seven feet um, and I get blonde. Um, and then beyond that, they, I think it was, it was a funny movie with women at the helm being funny together. Um, and like, it felt so cool to me at the time. Like I thought they were so cool and they were sort of outsiders without being cynical or like, shitty or rude they oh, were true yeah you know but they were outsiders but they had fun together and they had each other it was just a perfect movie for a little girl um who was like on the precipice not uh how does that song go i'm, I'm not, not a, a girl, girl not yet a woman. okay and all i needed was time and that's how i felt is like that's my next stage and, and like, could that be me? I, 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 and it was also just a funny movie. It was funny. It is funny. Quotable quotes. I still think Quotable working women special. That was an <laughs> so inside, good. that was an inside joke in my early twenties for years with my friends. Do you have a, do you a have business a woman business special? Woman special? 
I mean, I my comedy show is called Working Woman, and people sometimes think I'm trying to like reference. Oh, that's so funny. reference that. But um, and then like the post its, like it's just like it's one classic sequence. after another. Oh, that yeah. dance sequence, man! I I know like a lot of the choreography still. Um, yeah, the businesswoman yes. special and Miros and also Miros Ravino's voice always just stayed with me because it had this really cool deep under quality, the tongue under the tongue you businesswoman special is so like deep LA kind it. of like LA, yeah. but like also not like so feminine in like the best <laughs> way and I loved it and stayed in my soul <laughs> and then I hadn't seen it in so long and I watched it recently and it's it holds up babe it holds up. I remember them cycling too in their little outfits. I have to watch that again. Yes, 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 they are. And their outfits are so sexy for working out. And they're wearing these like um I think platforms, right? Yeah, platforms. Yeah. Platforms. Um, okay. That's that. We can get back to the timeline. We've created well, like cre- 15 timelines, like in this one episode. Like people listen, whatever. The, the conclusion is, yeah, listen, the conclusion is Lisa's cranking out the hits. Okay? She's cranking out the hits, always has been, always will be. Yes, and even still. And even still, I love Feel Good. I think it's phenomenal. And she played like a significant role, maybe not a huge role, but like pretty, pretty big, recurring. She's the main character. And mother. huge, huge emotionally. Yeah, I recommend. And weirdly, uh, I was going to say, May Martin's uh, vibe and character, you wouldn't pair those two people as mother daughter, but in the show, it's like, mm-hmm, it works. They seem Yeah, related. because. In in the same way, and bringing it back in the same way, Lisa didn't feel like her parents or whatever. Yeah, I feel like yeah, May and and Lisa's character are kind of like reverse mirror images of each other. Um, You know, like Lisa just plays this like conservative person so well, and then May is like kind of floundering because all she really knows is like rebelling against things. Yes, seems. I think we've covered like the projects that that matter to me about Lisa. Um, But if there's anything that you've like seen her in, that's some kind of like a niche thing that I don't know about. There is one um, small, small role that she had in in Easy A. Yeah, she's so good at The guidance counselor. Oh my God. And I actually love that movie. I watch and rewatch it actually. It's really good. Um, Yeah. Every everybody in it is great. If you want to play a drinking game with it, there's like an orange in every scene, and every time you see an orange, you can take a sip. I told you, Hugely I like helpful. that movie. And she's—I don't even remember her lines, but I just remember every time she comes on screen, it's a delight. Yeah, she's always good. I, I every time she pops up in something. Uh, have you seen BoJack? That's actually another good one. Bojack <gasps> yeah, who does she play in Bojack? She plays the uh, the owl who was in a coma for like um from like 1980 until like 2017, and then she becomes head of a network. This. It's so <laughs> good. I don't know the show enough to know that, but I know that that show roasts like the entertainment in Hollywood like in such a specific way, like that that I that's why I cackled like that because it's like so good, right? Yeah, I worked in film, so like, there's this one scene in BoJack where like, the Quentin Tarantino or like he's like a tarantula, Quentin Tarantino or whatever. Yeah. yeah, he's like making like a huge Hollywood movie, and like by the end of the episode, the Hollywood movie <laughs> becomes a, a gift, gift basket, basket subscription service. Yeah, and it just I mean, keeps evolving, and like by the end, it's so seamless, right? Because you're telling that bit, and it's so funny. Um, but then when you watch it, 
the, the it just keeps transitioning a little bit more until it is a gift basket and you're like yeah i could see how a net network notes could eventually just like fully demolish something yeah and it's lisa so someone funny. who's like yeah always kind of embodied that uh something i haven't watched her in yet but i know will be like fantastic is like a little web series she did called web, web therapy. therapy yeah 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 again this idea of meta right like mm -hmm. you're watching a recording of a therapy session happening and this is pre-pandemic it was like on a webcam so it's like she plays the therapist yeah. and all these celebrities play the patient but they're doing it over webcam all improvised um, oh it's all improvised yeah. see it's improvised i know right She's that's a crazy. really good improviser. She's she's really because she's so fully sunken into the the scene at all times. Okay, I want to play a game. Okay. Okay, it's two truths and a lie. I oh yes, you know I've listened premise. to the podcast. I've listened to the podcast. Thank you. This is fun. I yes, you're okay. gonna okay. Okay, I'm gonna tell you two true things, one lie. You guess the lie. Okay. About Lisa, right? Okay. About Lisa. About Lisa. I'm not gonna gas you up because I've been doing this to people where I'm like, you're gonna get it, and then they don't. And then they're sad and I don't want to make anybody feel like they failed. Okay. Yeah. I don't know how confident I really am, but I'm here. Perfect. I'm here Whatever happens, happens. Really. It doesn't, yeah. it's all fine. Okay. One. Lisa is the reason Conan worked up the confidence to take over for Letterman. If not for her encouragement, he likely would not have done the show. That's one. Okay. Two. When she was 16, she used her summer break to get a nose job before starting a new school. Three. She was originally supposed to play the guest role that Courtney Cox played on Seinfeld, but was recast when they found out Courtney was available. Say that last one again. Okay. So have you, are you a Seinfeld person? Honestly, no, but no. I listened to your Seinfeld episode and I was just staying with at someone's place where they played Seinfeld in the background, like just as noise. And I was mm. like, I was like, okay, um, biggest realization of 2021, here it goes world. Seinfeld might actually be good. <laughs> so anyway, I do have to watch it, but I don't know it that well. So Courtney Cox um, plays, she only plays a character in one episode, but she actually really, she really made an impact. She stood out, I found, um, but she plays, one of Jerry's girlfriends and they pretend to be husband and wife so that they can get a, a discount at um, the dry cleaners. Lisa was originally supposed to, she like essentially had the role until they found out Courtney actually was available. And then she got the role. Courtney got the role. Okay. Okay. So I, do I can go over them again if you want. No, I do. I okay. do believe, I do believe that one. Mm-hmm the the nose job job one like seems so outlandish but i want it to be true because what a fucking boss move for a 16 year old to do but i do feel like out of all of them it maybe sticks out the most so then that's the one you would want me to pick and then maybe he didn't even do you know what i mean yeah quite a journey i'm actually gonna i'm just gonna go with that i think the nose job is the lie Okay, that's true. <gasps> oh my God, I love her even more. She was like, I have a plan. I'm sticking to it. Nose job, move fucking schools. Yeah, you you're right. It is really funny. I, will, I won't lie. As a Jewish woman. Oh my God, she's a Jew with a nose job. The Jew with a nose job. The discourse. Every, the discourse. Every time a Jewish woman gets a nose job, I'm like, girl, let's just, who cares? You know what I mean? Like, let's keep the, let's keep the noses around and like, 
redefine what a nose is. It's like um, when gay men get their assholes bleached. It's like if we all do it, if we then... all agree, <laughs> yeah, let's if we all, all agree, agree not to do it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Then it's just not a thing anymore. Um, or whatever. If you like how it feels, do it. I don't care. I guess if, if you yeah. like the burning sensation on your nose or your anus, I don't care. But as a um, weird beauty standard. So anyway, mm-hmm. uh, however, however, reframing it as like I'm going to a new fucking school. It's a very Romeo and Michelle thing to do. Like, let's rebrand. I got a new opportunity. I could be whoever I want. I'm new nose. You know, I do like that. That's cute. I think it's like it's such a glimpse into like how successful she was going to be because that is so smart. I don't know. I feel like maybe 16 year olds are still that vain and would think of that, but to be like, to plan it out, to be like, well, now's the opportunity because yeah. No one yeah. Will know me. Yeah. That's, that um, is true. She was really cute with, with her bigger nose, but also she's gorgeous now. It's all, it all, it's yeah. all fine. And I do, I do want to say whenever someone is born and raised in LA. Mm -hmm. There's always kind of a moment where it's like, oh, I would have never guessed that of them. And then you'll learn one fact about them where it's like, oh, there's (laughs) the LA. Totally, totally, Yeah, yeah, you thought you'd sneak it away. Yeah, she seems so sort of like grounded and normal. And then it's it's like- like, Nose job at 16, there it is, yeah. Totally. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So the other two, so, oh, sorry. Oh, the lie, I haven't even told you what the lie is. Oh my God, what's the lie? The Courtney Cox thing is a lie. She wasn't, okay. she didn't get recast for that. You're very good at this. I'm a good liar. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, but the Conan thing, I love this. So when Conan got offered to like take over for Letterman, he was really not known. And everyone in his life was like, are you, I don't, I don't know if you should do this. Like, I don't know if, if, if you might fail and you, and this will be how you're introduced to the world. And Lisa was like, no, no do it say yes right now you're you're the only person who could do it you're gonna be amazing you're gonna succeed i just know like i know for a fact and so he took it and now he's conan um and he credits her with being the only person in his life that pushed him to do it and and promised him success and she turned out to be right Ugh, i just love her she's sweet she's a lovely person she's a good friend yeah yeah she's just like and i think she really loves like the business yeah in a way that isn't like um manic like i find a lot of people who are like this is entertainment baby like they have like a podcast where they're like ranting for like three hours about like the biz and casting directors and it's like totally makes your head spin but i feel like um yeah i feel like lisa is just really talented and um gives like Good advice to herself, obviously, because she has like a great career and then like gives that same advice to like people around her. She's smart. She's measured. She's stunning. She's effervescent. She's, she's everything Lisa. you want in a Jew. <laughs> she's everything and more. you want in a Jew. Nose job, mostly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for doing this, Sam. You were such a lovely guest. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. This is so much fun. Thank you to my guest, Sam Sraza. Check out his podcast, Prepare to Die, where Sam plots out every detail of his own passing, from his will to his final resting outfit. 
Follow his podcast at Prepare to Die the Pod on Instagram. Check out Sam's website, samislaughing.com, and follow him at samislaughing on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. This show is hosted and edited by me, Laura Lebo. Executive producer is Michael Freeman. We're distributed by the CJN Podcast Network. Follow me on Instagram at Laura Lebo and Twitter at Twebo. Follow the CJN on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Find other podcasts at thecjn.ca. Please make sure to subscribe and review the podcast. It really helps us out and we're nice.